Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here for the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. We're doing a little later in the week because uh, my co-host, Daryl Slater, has had to deal with some uh, personal stuff. So we have a, a guest on today. He's an old friend of mine. You guys might not be familiar with him in terms of this podcast. Uh, we we used to do an Eagles podcast together called the No Huddle Show, which he's still on. It is Mike K. He covers the Eagles for NJ.com. He's going to add a little perspective here because the Eagles did just play the Seahawks. A lot to talk about the NFC East. I'm sure he has some Giants takes. But uh, how you doing, Mike? I'm well, you know, I mean, you made it sound like Daryl's going through like the biggest crisis ever, but I mean, you know, uh, no, you know, it's cool uh, hearing the, Hey, what's going on for the first time in a really long time. Thanks for having me. Well, well, because I refuse to say that to you, like when we actually communicate. Yeah. It's like weird. You know, I I don't know if people will pick up on this from this podcast, but the the word on the street is we hate each other. So uh, (laughs) we'll see if we can kind of thinly, mirror that or or not or veil that uh during this podcast well, I, th- I think i think giants fans would be okay with me giving you crap on this one honestly because they, they hate everything to do with the eagles is my impression so. yeah i see that from the youtube comments <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's for sure all right um yeah whenever they're like why is an eagles uh video on on yeah. the nj.com feed or whatever yeah <laughs> that, that always used to crack me up <laughs> yeah. um and we see we we both used to get emails from like the same guy uh, where he'd be like, stop writing about the Eagles. It's NJ.com. It's not Philly.com. I'm like, all right. <laughs> That's, you don't you don't live in South Jersey. It's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but all right, we can talk a little football here. Um, Are you sure? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, with, that's the, the funny thing is, like, there actually is reason to talk about football with the Giants for the first time in a long time. Like, uh, you know, for a lot of the season, Daryl and I were talking like big picture stuff because when you're one and seven, you don't really care that much about the nitty gritty stuff. And now they're four and seven. They're tops in the division in part because of the team you cover just falling apart, just tear in a absolutely embarrassing fashion. Um, it didn't get any better against the Seahawks. Uh, but, you know, to start out, I'll say, you know, Daniel Jones, it's actually kind of good that we wait till today because he was declared doubtful for Sunday's game. He hurt his hamstring against the Bengals. So it looks like Colt McCoy is going to be starting against the Seahawks. Um, they they've like they have this reputation of like not having a very good pass defense because they've given up a lot of yards, but they did get Jamal Adams back recently. Uh, Carlos Dunlap's been good for them. Like from I, I know Carson Wentz didn't play particularly well, so it's probably hard to judge that part of it. But like, what what'd you make of the Seahawks defense when you were watching them uh, the other night? 
well, they've gotten progressively better over the last three games. Like their reputation of giving away a lot of passing opportunities happened a little bit earlier on in the season, but you know, having Griffin back there and Jamal Adams returning, I mean, look, I, the Eagles struggled to get open in this game, frankly. I mean, there were a couple of breakdowns where the Eagles could have had big plays and Carson just didn't see them, but really this, this, zone coverage scheme of Pete Carroll, the way they're calling this defense. Uh, I think Bobby Wagner's the most consistent linebacker in the league, bar none. Or I guess I should say consistently great. Uh, KJ Wright played well. Their defensive front is getting a little bit more push now that Carlos Dunlap is part of the gang. But yeah, I mean, I look, from, from a defensive standpoint, this is going to be a hard, hard challenge for Colt McCoy yeah and I I think you know even if Daniel Jones is in there I don't it, it probably would have been a challenge too just you know they, by the nature of a guy like Jamal Adams causing a lot of trouble but you know it's gonna be interesting to see how they run this offense with Colt McCoy he's not he obviously is not the runner that Daniel Jones is he can't throw the ball down the field the same way uh, when he came in he he was six of ten with 61 yards they they didn't really do much they weren't really planning for Colt McCoy being their quarterback obviously and you know the Bengals aren't a great defense so I mean, there there is some cause for alarm, but the running game has been good so uh, lately, so maybe that can help them. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how Jason Garrett does this. He started out the season being really conservative with Daniel Jones, and I imagine he's just going to go back to being kind of the Jason Garrett that everybody kind of was used to until he got a little creative there for a little bit. I, they're going to probably throw the ball quickly. They're going to try and run the ball a lot. Um, but ultimately, the Giants' chances in this game are probably going to come down on the other side and – their ability or inability to stop Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf, uh, which, you know, I feel like we can probably talk about DK Metcalf here because that's a big to- It was a topic for the last week and a half in Philly, and he's been the topic in New York in a different context. A lot of people have been asking questions about the whole Jim Schwartz saga. Can, can you just kind of take our listeners through, like, what happened there? Because So DK Metcalf went off against the Eagles, by the way. He had, like, 170 yards. Um, there's a whole – background in Philadelphia where Eagles fans, anytime they see his name mentioned, they get upset because the Eagles drafted J.J. Arcega Whiteside ahead of him. But what uh, you what happened with Jim Schwartz and why did it become such a big deal? Apparently they had a really chummy conversation before the game. And uh, what you should know is Jim Schwartz, who was the head coach of the Lions for a while. Um, <clears throat> he thinks that Calvin Johnson's the best player he's ever coached or coached against. Um, which says a lot because, you know, he won a Super Bowl against Tom Brady. But uh, look, he holds Calvin Johnson the highest esteem. And he said to DK uh, that he read his story, learned about how much how, how he overcame injuries and, and adversity at Ole Miss and said, look, I know I you're compared to Calvin a lot. You're not there yet, but you're getting there. And, you know, a lot of pro athletes motivate themselves in different ways. And DK took that as a challenge because he wanted to be on that level. And he just went out and caught uh, 10 passes on 12 targets for 177 yards. Um, He made Darius Slay, the big trade acquisition from the Eagles, uh, look like you know, uh, DeAndre Baker, basically, um, <laughs> on the field, on the field. Uh, and he, uh, Slay basically put the game on him. He gave up uh, nine catches for 160 yards. So basically the majority of DK's afternoon, 
or evening, I should or should say. And so, look, this is a situation where I think you have a guy who is highly motivated and can take anything as a slight, which is something a lot of people have compared to Michael Jordan, the type of competitor <laughs> he is. And DK just went out and roasted him. He made Jim Schwartz look bad. He made Darius Slay look bad. And in turn, he made How- general manager Howie Roseman look bad because Howie Roseman was the guy who passed on him. Uh, for a guy who's caught, I believe, twelve catches, caught twelve passes in his entire two-year career, uh, he was even a healthy scratch uh, in the game before the bye week. So, um, look, DK is a problem. I mean, I think Bradbury has been the best free agent signing in the entire league, at least defensively, and uh, they're gonna. You know, if they're going to go use cover one and cover zero like the Eagles did, uh, where they basically put Slay on an island, um, Bradbury's going to have to bring his A game. And, and frankly, he's played better than Slay this year. So uh, you've got to like his chances there. But then on the opposite side, you've got to worry about a guy like Tyler Lockett, yeah. you know, who is just uh, a speed demon. I think he's battling some injuries, but he and Russell Wilson have been connecting regularly. Um you know, they're not really a very good tight end team. Um, but they, look, Chris Carson can still run the ball. And obviously everything comes down to Russell Wilson. So if you're playing a lot of man coverage, it can be difficult to keep an eye on him. You're going to have to spy him. I, I'm assuming with Blake Martinez or Jabril Peppers. And, you know, you've got it. You can't really turn your back to Russell Wilson because he'll make you pay. Yeah, one of the big topics this week has just been Russell Wilson's unique like uh deep ball ability, the way he like gets it up really high and um and how they're trying to practice that, you know, they don't really have uh they, well they don't have anyone that can replicate DK Metcalf certainly because there's not many as Joe Judge said there's not many humans like him that walk this earth. Um but yeah, the Russell Wilson, you know, that's that's going to be a real challenge. Um the the the, the Slay Bradbury conversation I, I was I was thinking about earlier, it's interesting because, you know, the Eagles I, I remember I, I wasn't like necessarily as high in it as like the rest of the Eagles fan base was when they traded for Slay. He obviously is a top cornerback, but like what, what, what have you made of his season? Because like the, the Giants signed James Bradbury, I think it flew under the radar a little bit. I think he's definitely exceeded expectations. It's the best move Dave Gettleman has made in his entire tenure. They signed him as a free agent, whereas the Eagles traded for Slay and then paid him and Slay's older. Like what, 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 what do you make of like those two moves? Like when you look at them next to each other? Well, like I said, I, I think Bradbury was the far superior move. I think Bradbury's going to be a pro bowler. He might even be an all pro, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I just think when you look at what he's been able to do, 15 pass breakups and three interceptions, Darius Slay isn't targeted very often, but he also doesn't have mm. any interceptions. I think he has like four pass breakups. Uh, the numbers are are dramatically different, and I think the results have been dramatically different. I think Bradbury, in the two games uh, against the Eagles, did a phenomenal job against some really inexperienced wide receivers. He looked like a veteran. He, he He's come as advertised, and I think Darius Slay has played well. The bar has been very low, considering the cornerback talent the Eagles have had over the last five years, but he's not that shut-down, probable corner. He will not be going to the digital pro bowl this year is my guess. Uh, and frankly, the game against Seattle, he called it the worst game of his career. I tend to agree uh, because it has to be, you know what I mean? Like those are one of the, that's one of those games where 
you stick a pin in it and you said and you say uh like yeah <laughs> that one's one that he just doesn't want to rewatch ever again uh i don't know how much you can learn from that because you know as everybody said there aren't a lot of guys like dk metcalf and frankly you know there was uh I guess D'Angelo Hall, the former Redskins, Raiders, and Falcons corner, who's now an analyst, said that he was afraid of DK Metcalf, that Slay was afraid of DK Metcalf. If you really rewatch the game, Slay was like stride for stride with him throughout like 90% yeah. of those reps. He's just, he's just a beast, yeah. Yeah, he's just, I mean, like some, look, I got to see Calvin Johnson a couple of times uh, as a fan um, before he retired, and he is pretty, I still remember I went to a game uh it was visiting from college and it was uh the lions versus the dolphins and he just ripped them apart at the seams uh like the secondary could do nothing he probably caught like 10 passes for 130 yards and two touchdowns like he's like he's a guy who is unique onto himself you know i I think the only other wide receiver longevity wise that you can compare him to is julio jones uh, where they create, they can create separation with their speed, their their size, their ability to leap. Like DK is getting there, um, and a lot of teams are going to rue the day that they pass on him because he lasted pretty late into day two. Yeah, um, you know, and so the Giants didn't really get the same level of you know disdain as the Eagles for that. They did probably because they got Darius Slayton in the fifth round that year. So like. The difference, like if the Eagles had gotten a talented receiver later in the draft, maybe you don't hear about it as much, right? Yeah, probably not. I mean, uh, if you want to go like that in in revisionist history, Travis Fulgham was a guy that they had a third round grade on, uh, and he was in that draft, and they ended up getting him this summer. (laughs) And, you know, from weeks four through eight, he led the league in receiving yards. Now they're treating him essentially like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Yeah, I was going to say, well, well, now they're playing Alshon Jeffrey. but (laughs) Right, but also on top of that, you know, part of the reason why J.J. really didn't succeed is they weren't crafting plays for him, and it doesn't seem like Fulgham since the bye week has really been number one in the progression at all, Uh, which we've seen how Carson Wentz has melted down completely. Um, You know, you expect those struggles out of a second-year quarterback. I mean, like, I think a lot is made of Daniel Jones' turnovers, but when you're in your fifth year, uh Carson Wentz is imploding frankly and it's not getting better it's only getting worse yeah so so we're going to touch on NFC's thing in a little bit uh before we do I did want to talk about the Giants quarterback situation actually because they're they're doing some like I don't know if unique is the right word but they're trying to get creative in terms of like this COVID environment and trying to be prepared for all scenarios especially with Jones out um since the last podcast the whole disaster with the Broncos happened where their entire quarterback room was wiped out uh, by COVID and their and their players like being irresponsible, not wearing masks or whatever. So they had to play a practice squad ride receiver at quarterback. Um, and then on Sunday, the Giants lose Daniel Jones and they only have Colt McCoy. So, I, I mean, I was thinking like, who's their emergency quarterback? It sounds like it's uh, it was your old friend Golden Tate probably would have been the emergency quarterback. But so, so since then, now they're probably they have they have Clayton Thorson, another old friend of yours on the roster, <laughs> former fifth round pick of the Eagles, who was cut before training camp. He had one of the worst preseasons I've ever seen, and you've watched more football than I have in terms of that. And I think you would agree with that. He was a disaster. Oh but, man, it was bad. Which is when I tweeted this, and it was something more that Eagles fans would understand more than the Giants fans that follow me. Like that, the, he took like some first team reps this week just as a you know a preparation kind of thing. And I'm like, I never thought I would tweet the words 
Clayton Thorson was taking first team reps after the way <laughs> I watched him last year. But so he's still on the practice squad as of now. Maybe they'll call him up if they have to. Um, they signed Alex Tanney. He's an old friend of the Giants. He was around with Eli and Daniel Jones the last two years. He knows the offense. He was here all offseason. Uh, he's going to join the team out in Seattle, I believe. And they, they feel like they can throw him out there if they have to as like the number two, which so he's probably more likely than Thorson. And then another thing they're doing, which you know I think is really smart, is they, they're on the verge of signing Joe Webb. Um, who Eagles fans hate with a fiery passion after he beat them 10 years ago now, which makes me feel old. Um, so they're bringing him in, not even necessarily primarily as a quarterback. He's going to play some receivers, going to do some special teams. Um, and they're going to, and then he'll be like the emergency quarterback in case of emergency. I, so th- I don't know what, what, what do you make of like the way teams are approaching things like this? Cause it's like such a weird world we're in right now where teams are like even having long snappers on their practice squad as a precaution and, I have the are, I know Eagles had Josh McCown on there as like a quarantine quarterback for a lot of the year before he's claimed, but have they done anything like this? I mean, that was really it. I mean, they had him yeah. stationed in Texas and then he ended up signing with the Texans in the midway point of the year. Um, I think they should. I actually thought it was brilliant when uh, the Giants signed Carson Tinker, an old friend of mine when I covered the Jaguars. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the teams are really screwing up by not having specialists and quarterbacks ready to go because those are literally specialist positions and you have to be able to call on those guys because with COVID testing, it takes like five days before they can even join you. So it's difficult. The Eagles say that they have some, some uh, plans in place in case something happens, but what if your kicker tests positive on a Saturday before a game, Yep. you know? So it's like, you know, as tough as it is to be a quarterback, you know, going from never kicking field goals in an active game situation, like it just, it seems wild to me. Uh, obviously the Camus Grugier Hill uh, kickoff and extra point stuff from back in the day when uh, Jake Elliott got injured against the Cowboys is there, but I, I would think you'd want a specialist to be a specialist. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I mean the giants had, so Graham Gano tested positive for COVID right before their bye week which if there's good timing for this stuff, that was perfect timing because he was able to get back in time. Um, he actually had a interesting, so he, the 10 days expired like the day before the game, I believe. And so he, his first time, like actually practicing with his long snapper and holder, was on Sunday at the field on the field at the game, and you kind of saw he was a little rusty because his first, his first kickoff went right down the middle, which you don't want, and then they ran it back for a touchdown. But he made all his field goals that day, and he so he he was saying he was dealing with all those symptoms, blah blah blah. Anyway, the Giants had a kicker on their practice squad ready to go, Ryan Santoso, and they called him up. He was ready to play if he had to. They didn't need him, but like that that was why they did that. He's been on the roster the entire season. They've protected him almost every week because you can protect a few guys. And yet, so, I mean, uh, J- Joe Judge, you know, it's, again, I still think it's too early to, he's getting a lot of praise right now. And it's, and it's, and maybe some of it's deserves it's a little too early. Like some of it's over the top, but um, like thinking ahead like that is just, especially after seeing what happened to the Broncos, I think is, is really smart. Um, and we, I, kind of, I kind of jump off that point about the hype of him getting a little high. We should talk about the NFC East here. So you, you and I covered the Eagles for two years. Um, the NFC East was bad both of those years, which is, almost purely the reason why the Eagles made the playoffs. They're, they're a little better in 2018. I think they beat some good teams on the stretch last year. They basically just beat four NFC East teams to close out the year. And then they made the playoffs and they lost. Um, like what, what have you made of covering this division this year? It's like been such a weird thing to cover. Cause you want to like declare your team, you're covering dead. 
Like the Giants are one and seven. They're supposed to be dead at one and seven. Like there's no team that's ever made the playoffs at one and seven after starting one and seven before. I looked it up. Um, but like then they started winning again. Now all of a sudden they're first and, and and you know the Eagles they look like an absolute disaster. But if they win another game and the Giants lose, all of a sudden the Eagles are in pretty good shape again. Like what 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 have you made of covering bad teams in a terrible division? I mean, it, look the the. Washington, the Giants, uh, the Cowboys all have new coaching staff. They all have new offenses. They all have new defenses. What's the Eagles' excuse? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they've they've blamed it on injury. They've blamed it on not having uh, a normal training camp. Well, guess what? Everybody else has had that excuse. Uh, you see a team that's undefeated right now. Um, so the Jets seem to be the only team that really, really can claim that, man, this offseason really burnt them out. But then again, they have Adam Gase as head coach. So it's not really that. <laughs> uh, look, I, the Eagles are in the midst of a weird sort of rebuild situation that they don't really accept. And their quarterbacks regressed. I mean, that's really what it's come down to. The defense has played really well since the bye, and the offense hasn't really helped them out. Um, I mean, look, you, you know, when, when Carson Wentz turns the ball over four times and the defense only gives up three points, like – that's a scary situation. Carson Wentz leads the league in interceptions, leads the league in total turnovers, leads the league in sacks taken with 46. Like it's bad right now. And they're a bad team. Like there, I, I wrote this for our picks post today. There are no more illusions. This is a really, really bad Eagles team. And right now I think Washington should be considered the favorite to win the division. I don't think the giants have even really hit the bulk of their tough schedule and so you know Washington's really in this spot where they finished last in the division and they should be able to kind of take advantage of that I also think Ron Rivera is a hell of a coach um, but I really do like what I've seen from the Giants I think the Giants are really well off if Dave Gettleman suddenly finds his groove as a GM which I mean that's a big if and Joe Judd's continues to do what he's doing I, I like the program that he's kind of installed I know we kind of mocked it early on but I think the Giants future is pretty bright based on what we've seen over the last month yeah um you know the it's, this I mean this division I just like you're, you're right I think Washington probably you have to say is the favorite just because a lot of that has to do with the schedule coming up um Washington has a – I forget who exactly they're playing, but their games are more winnable than the Giants who have the Seahawks this week, Cardinals the week after, Browns, Ravens. They, they can see – they're going to have to steal one of those games if they really want a chance at uh, at winning the division. But, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I lean towards Washington finishing it. The Giants do have the tiebreaker over them. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Um like what? How do you how do you see what? Like I don't know if you predicted it all recently, but how do you see it? How do you see it actually playing out? Do you think Washington winds up winning the division? Yeah, yeah, that's where I would go. Um, I mean, look, it's not going to be a pretty record, right? Uh, I think it's yeah. a second ten division winner uh, at this point, and you know the Eagles have that tie that's been both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, uh, and I think they finish five. Um, uh, five, ten, and one, and they they you know they have to sit out of the playoffs. They've got to do a rebuild. They'll be picking in the top ten for the first time in a long time. And look, I think it's their long term benefit. I think 
they're on the cusp of some very major changes, similar to what the Giants have gone through, similar to what the Cowboys have gone through, and similar to what Washington's going through. Um, and, you know, it's never easy to – look, I, I covered the Jaguars, as I kind of mentioned earlier, for three years. This might be the worst team that I've covered. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, this is just – like, they're so bad in so many ways – and, you know, a lot of people want to throw it on the talent, but I, I got to tell you, this coaching staff, and you saw when you were here, they don't really develop anybody. They have two two position coaches that have proven that they can develop players. Deuce Staley, the running back slash assistant head coach, and Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach. Outside of that, nobody really grows within this this team. Like, there's no growth here. And so I think... When we look at this division, we're, the biggest thing takeaway you're going to have is this is the year where the Eagles broke bad and they finally have to make some massive executive decisions. And look, you know, you and I did a story before the first Giants-Eagles game and, and the way we both saw, saw it is the Eagles had a much better... I, I was actually, It's funny you said, I was about to bring that up, actually, yeah. because So we, we went through a few different categories. Um I forget what what week did they play the first time? That was like uh, week, week seven. Seven. Um, you know, we ran through quarterback, front office, talent, salary cap situation, uh, owner, blah blah blah. And all of a sudden, like, I think you really could make the argument that in the next year or two, the Giants have like a better chance of, you know, being I don't know, winning the division or being improving or whatever you however you want to phrase it. Like, I, I don't think it's it used to be obvious that Carson Wentz was the right choice over Daniel Jones. I think it quite obviously is not obvious, especially when you factor in contract. I would say there'd probably be a lot of people that would almost prefer Jones at this point. I don't know. Maybe that's a stretch, but like if you do factor in the contract, because Carson Wentz's contract is just an albatross if he's this bad for the future. Then you look at, you know, coach, if Doug Peterson's not their coach anymore, then you have a new coach coming in. Even if Doug's back, there's a lot of questions there, obviously. I think Judge is on the rise, at least, you know, that he still has a lot to prove. Um, Gettleman obviously is a bigger question mark. You, I think you still think you're more confident in Howie, even if Dave had a better offseason this year, probably, if you look at it now. Well, Carson, Between I the, mean, sorry, not Carson. Howie right. had the worst offseason I can recall him having yeah. ever. So. Between draft and – like, to, to strike out on draft and free agency is tough, um, tough I would beat. say. Yeah. Um, and the Giants, you know, there's you know, questions about Andrew Thomas still. He's gotten better. Xavier McKinney is, was hurt most of the year. You know, it's not all perfect, obviously, but – uh, looking better there. Um, and then that, and then, you know, salary cap, like we both agreed, obviously that the giants were in a better spot there, both with picks and with salary cap. Um, and that's, that, that's kind of good. That's going to be the Eagles big topic this off season, how, how he like undoes the mess that he put them in. If he's um, here. Yeah. Yeah. If he, if he's still there and, and that's kind of thing, like it almost feels like, you know, I, I still don't think Dave Gettleman is like a hundred percent safe yet. Uh, I, I think giants fans are happy to be with, I think it's like, bittersweet because I know most Giants fans don't want Dave Gettleman around anymore, but they're also competing and just like, it's very different expectations in Philly and New York right now, obviously because Philly has been better more recently, but Giants fans just want this, just wanted to be competitive in December and that's what they are. And so you, you could like just see John Mara, you know, deciding to keep Dave Gettleman at this point. I don't know if it's the right move. I still think he's kind of behind the times and I don't think a lot of his philosophies stack up, but I, I think Joe judge is exerting his influence quite a bit on the personnel side of things too. But, but yeah, I mean, would you agree with that? Like as of right now, the giants have maybe the brighter future. Yeah. I actually think, well, I think Washington's going to win the division. I, I do think the giants are the most set up for success long-term because 
you're seeing people buy into this this program. You're seeing, you know, you still have Slayton. You still have, uh, um, I almost called him Reuben Randall. Um, Sterling Shepard, you know, it's the double, the double, the double letter names. Um, <laughs> you know, Evan Ingram's shown flashes of talent, but it seems like every time he takes two steps forward, he takes 25 yeah. steps back. Uh, with I mean, the, 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 last, the last game was that in a nutshell. You like had a 50 yard catch and then a terrible drop. Uh, and then a fumble, and then he finished with over 100 yards and played a big part in their win. Like <laughs> That's just him in a nutshell. And I think Jason Garrett deserves a lot of credit for what he's gotten out of Wayne Gallman, who nobody has been able to kind of... I was a massive fan of his coming out of the draft, and nobody's really figured him out until Jason Garrett got here. And look, Saquon will be back, but it would not shock me if they re-signed Wayne Gallman to be kind of a one-two punch for the next year, it's tough to come off a major knee surgery and you need to be able to not have Alfred Morris be your, your insurance policy or somebody of that ilk. Um, I think the offensive line has gotten a little bit better. Um, you know, you look at the defense, Patrick Graham really deserves all the credit in the world. Um, yeah. And I think he's going to be up for some head coaching jobs. If they lose him, maybe our assessment of who has who's better off changes but i do think patrick graham's really been the secret weapon here um somebody once told me that uh joe judge used to coach special teams i don't know what they're doing on special teams right now because it seems like every game they have a special teams gaffe um that's somewhere that you probably want to change i mean look you got to keep building around daniel jones i don't think they're going to go after a quarterback which you know is a good thing. Um, I think when you're concerned about Daniel Jones going down against a, a team that you're heavily favored against, like that says something that says that Daniel Jones gives you the best chance to win and you want to see him progress and be on the field here though, like in Philly, uh, you know, they keep saying Carson Wentz gives them the best chance to win. I, I don't know. And you brought up, <laughs> You know, Clayton Thorson, the reason why, you know, a lot of people don't understand why the Eagles selected Jalen Hurts in the second round and justifiably so. But part of the logic is they didn't want another Clayton Thorson. They really like James Morgan from FIU, who ended up going to the uh, Jets later on. Um, And their logic was, look, we don't want to go through another Clayton Thorson where he's just like a wasted asset let's go get a guy that we know can be an upper caliber backup quarterback and potentially an insurance plan. And that's why they went after Jalen Hurts as opposed to waiting for James Morgan. Um, You know, time only time will tell if that was the right move, but when you look at the way Carson Wentz has imploded, which nobody could have expected um, the picks not looking that poor. Um, I know a lot of people are going to argue that they could have used more assets on defense or, or more assets around Carson, but frankly, Carson's, it's not even just a matter of weapons around him. He's just not playing well. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this Eagles Packers game. I'm about to jump on the no huddle show podcast with Chris Franklin. After this, my fellow uh, beat Eagles beat reporter, um, our old show, which you're very aware of just giving this context for, for <laughs> listeners. But um, look, this Packers game is rough. Like, but if they, if they can steal one, like they did last year, then it's sunshine and rainbows for another week until it's not. They play the Saints uh, at home with Car- uh, with Drew Brees probably not playing. Um, and so they might have a shot there as well as the Saints have played without 
uh, Breeze. Then again, they've gone up against some pretty bad teams in those instances, the Falcons and the Broncos without a quarterback. Uh, So, you know, the Eagles have a shot. They still have two division games left. Um, They beat the Cowboys in week eight and they have a shot there. But look, again, I think Washington's the most set up to win. They play the Eagles in week 17. I think the Eagles can beat the Cowboys. We'll see if they can beat Washington. I think Washington's really found its stride. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens moving forward. Yeah, all right. With that, we can we can wrap up here. Let's uh, predict uh, what I think goes down on Sunday with this Giants game. Um, if Jones had – I mean, he's doubtful, so I guess there's a technically a chance he plays, but he hasn't practiced uh, beyond a limited capacity all week. He's mostly been off to the side. Um, and so if it had been him, I might have been more inclined to, like, at least have it be a close game, if not an upset. Probably not an upset, but at least a close one. But um, with Colt McCoy, quarterback, I think I had it at uh, Seahawks 27, Giants 17. And then I had it uh, – I actually have it closer because I do think this is a good opportunity for Wayne Gallman. But I do think Chris Carson and DK Metcalf have pretty good games and Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson. Uh, I've got it Seahawks 27, Giants 20. All right, I like it. Well, Mike, thanks for uh, jumping on and filling in for Daryl. Uh, we appreciate you coming over. Um, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Uh, as always, make sure you guys are subscribed. We're on all the major apps. Uh, leave us some reviews, uh, sign up for our text message service, nj.com slash text, and uh, we'll hit you guys back up uh, earlier in the week next week.